Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. You'll hear people make jokes about the dangers of Dungeons and Dragons. And even now, you'll hear people who have parents who are afraid that the game will lead to some sort of demonic worshipping or self-damage. I think those concerns are minor nowadays. But in the late 70s and early 80s and maybe throughout most of the 80s, this was a real concern of parents and, in my case, grandparents. And while the books themselves can be frightening to other people who might not understand them with their images of violence and demons and devils and monsters, there was a time when the media was really involved in spreading fear about Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games. And one of the most problematic bits of coverage for this game was through Rona Jaffe's book Mazes and Monsters, which would be turned into a movie that we're going to talk about today. My grandmother watched a lot of television and and she would see Rona Jaffe interviewed on TV talking about mazes and monsters and the dangers that lurk within Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games. And she was concerned. She knew I was an okay kid, but here I was with these insidious books that she had bought for me in some cases. And now she was afraid what she had turned me on to. And I remember her coming to me to asked me about the game, and I guess it seemed pretty benign, the way I was describing it, but then she had a long talk with my mother, and I was not pulled into this conversation, but I did get to overhear it, and I think my mother said something to the effect of, do you think he's stupid? This was typical of my mother's attitude. She didn't think of the potential psychological problems that a person who might have been going through things might face. Instead, she matter-of-factly kind of put it at my grandmother. You know him. Do you think he's the type of person who's going to do any of these things? My grandmother put out her cigarette and said, I don't know what this game's about, but I guess you're right. And she never brought it up again. Although, she would look with a cynical eye whenever she would come into the room and my friends and I were playing it. Now, while my tribulations with the game probably lasted only a few months, it was a bit tedious for me because I was really fired up about this game. And my one way of getting these books was through these adults who suddenly were afraid to get them. And I know a lot of people went through a whole lot worse. And a big contributing factor to this fear-mongering was, of course, the news. And a big component of the news for a while there was Rona Jaffe and Mazes and Monsters. So I'd like to talk to you about the movie Mazes and Monsters. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera, the writing of the book, the incident that inspired the book. We'll talk about the production, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Mazes and Monsters is a 1982 television film directed by Stephen Hilliard Stern. It's about a group of college students who have an interest in a fictitious role-playing game, and they basically go LARPing. LARPing, if you're not familiar, is live-action role-playing. You've seen videos of people doing it. Maybe you've been to the park and seen people playing it. You kind of get dressed up, and there are rules. Looks like a whole lot of fun. The film is probably best known because it stars a then 26-year-old Mr. Tom Hanks, a genuine treasure of a man, playing his first major leading role. Now, this movie is based on a book by Rona Jaffe called Mazes and Monsters, which is a cautionary tale regarding fantasy role-playing. It is based on what are known as the steam tunnel incidents of the late 1970s, which are these urban myths that developed during the infancy of RPGs, which kind of talk about a live action version of D&D being played in utility tunnels at schools, then they become lost and they die. This had become a lot more popular because of a newspaper report about the Michigan State University student named James Dallas Egbert III. Egbert was a D&D player, and he did go into some steam tunnels, but he did not go down there to play D&D. He instead had gone down there to kill himself. The attempt on his life at that time had failed. After the failure, he hid at his friend's house. His family hired a private eye, and the media went crazy on this. Jaffe, seeing that everybody was all nuts for this, decided to run in and write a book. Many people at the time read it and thought it was exactly what the game was like. And it became such a part of everybody's groupthink that even a couple of years later in 1985, psychiatrist and anti-television violence activist Thomas Radecki, who was part of the National Coalition on Television Violence, cited a letter written by a character in the book as proof that D&D was dangerous to people who played it. There's another book called Hobgoblin, which I'm just starting to read, that has very similar themes. And there was a, another book, which we'll talk about in a bit, which was actually written by the private investigator about Egbert's life. It was written much later, called Dungeon Master. The problem with these books is that they treat people who are in it, these protagonists, as people who sort of abandon their adult life to dive into these fantasy worlds, giving up everything else, including reality. Jaffe was born in 1931, passed away in 2005, probably best known for Mazes and Monsters, although that's a shame, because she did write other very good pieces and worked in cultural pieces for major magazines. If you want to know really about James Dallas Egbert, you might want to read The Dungeon Master, which is the story of the disappearance of James Dallas Egbert III. It was written in 1984 by the investigator hired to find him, William Deere, and he gives an explanation of the 1979 steam tunnel incident. Egbert was 16 at the time and had gotten into college early, was dealing with personal issues and intense academic pressure. It was actually Deere who thought that maybe Egbert had gone into the tunnels to play because he knew nothing about the game. And sadly, this theory was taken by fact by many people. Deere did not give up on trying to find Egbert and eventually would make contact with him. Unfortunately, less than a year after that incident, Egbert would take his own life in a separate incident. And it was four years after that that Deere would release the Dungeon Master. Deere himself is a pretty interesting guy. Been reading about him. He really seems to get himself into popular investigations. I don't know if you ever remember the 1995 alien autopsy that was on Fox television, but Deere was a part of that. So he likes to keep himself in the media. 
This is Louis Zaki, the president of Game Science. I manufacture high-precision polyhedra dice, and when you listen to the Retroist, it's like rolling a 100 on the 100-sided dice. The film was directed by Stephen Hilliard Stern. He's a Canadian director, writer, and producer. He's working up till about 2002, and he has quite a resume. But I would say that the thing I recognized him most was for his work, as film goes, on Mazes and Monsters. But he also directed some great television, including the TV series Serpico, a couple of episodes of Quincy M.E., one of my favorite shows, an episode of Logan's Run, Hawaii Five-O, and many others. The teleplay for the film was written by Tom Lazarus. Lazarus was born in New York City on October 5th, 1942. He's best known for the film Stigmata, which he wrote. The film premiered on CBS in 1982. It starred Tom Hanks, David Wallace, Chris Makepeace, and Wendy Crewson. It was shot in 20 days. There's some interesting writing by Jaffe promoting this, including a two-page entry about the production in the 1982 Christmas edition of TV Guide, which I found Pretty fascinating to see Jaffe talk about the different members of the crew, including a very young Tom Hanks, but also how Wendy Crewson was making up her own dialogue and how long it took for the film to gel. She was obviously very excited about this film. When I read it, it kind of makes me a little angry knowing the fallout and how false this all was, even as fiction, how poorly represented role players are in this film. After these messages, we will return. Open your mind to new Dungeons & Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves. For in Dungeons and Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. New Dungeons and Dragons from Mattel Electronics. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. The choices are limited. Stand and fight, or run. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. And now, back to the show. I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot of the film. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to pause it, find the movie. It is available. The film stars Tom Hanks as Robbie Wheeling, and he and his friends, J.J., played by Chris Makepeace, Daniel, played by David Wallace, and Kate, played by Wendy Crewson, are kind of rejects. They all have problems. And J.J. and his friends play this game called Mazes and Monsters, and he is depressed by feeling left out of his little 
family that he's developed of friends and he decides he's going to kill himself in a local cavern it's not tavern i said cavern or cave while planning it he changes his mind and instead decides that this cavern would be a great location to play mazes and monsters and is going to have his friends live out their fantasy in real life and sets up this whole system to do so unfortunately tom hanks's character of robbie has a psychotic episode where he hallucinates that he is killed by a monster and he basically withdraws from life and starts to live this fantasy world seeing the real world as if it was the game and his friends try to hunt him down they eventually figure out he's going to new york and they stop him from jumping off the south tower of the world trade center and it ends pretty sadly with robbie stuck in that world for the rest of his life and them visiting him now you could read this as depressing as a kid when i saw this movie i did not see this as depressing i thought that that was the coolest idea for gaming ever that if i had a cavern near me that i would want to have live action role playing so whatever message this film was supposed to have, which affected a lot of adults, it had the complete opposite effect on me. All I kept thinking was, wow, you could really get into the game if you had your own caverns and the right technology. This is the future. Plus, he's living a fantasy world. That seemed a lot more fun than the real world, so didn't even occur to me. Mission not accomplished. The film had a great cast. First of all, you had Tom Hanks, Thomas Jeffrey Hanks, was born in 1956, starred in movies like Splash, Big, Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, multiple Academy Awards, massive box office draw until recently. Still pretty amazing in everything he does. Chris Makepeace played JJ, born in Montreal, Quebec, started working in 1974. His big breakthrough role was in the comedy Meatballs opposite Bill Murray. While that's a great film, his best film was probably the movie My Bodyguard, which was released in 1980. That is a great movie, and I still can't believe I have not covered that, but it will happen soon enough. Makepeace has not appeared in any movies since 2001. But he is still working in film, but he's instead behind the camera. Wendy Crewson played Kate, she who changed most of her dialogue, according to Jaffe. Crewson appeared in many TV shows in the 1980s and a lot of feature films. It wasn't until 1991, though, that she had a breakthrough role in the film The Doctor and would appear in many films including all three Santa Claus movies, Air Force One, The Bicentennial Man, and The Sixth Day. David Wallace played Daniel, pretty cool character in the movie, wanted to be a video game designer. Didn't we all, Daniel? David Wallace's first television appearance was in 1980, was the movie The Babysitter, Stephanie Zimbalist and William Shatner. He also worked on Days of Our Lives and General Hospital. He would appear on a lot of great television shows, including The Facts of Life and Different Strokes. His last credited television role was in 2005 as a minister on The Young and the Restless. Pretty good actor. Music from Mazes and Monsters was performed by Hugh Haygood Hardy, born in Indiana. He's best known for his performance with Herbie Mann on the 1961 recording Herbie Mann at the Village Gate, where a bunch of wonderful jazz standards were performed. In 1992, he was made a member of the Order of Canada, an honor I will probably never get, despite all my great work. Unfortunately, Hardy passed away in 1997 at the age of 59. After these messages, we will return. Challenge your imagination to come alive and to battle with the creatures of Dungeons and Dragons. 
grapple against the forces of evil as a Marvel Comics superhero. Hunt adventure and glory as Indiana Jones. The all-new role-playing games of TSR and Dungeons and Dragons. Unleash the power of your imagination. Last night, I journeyed backwards in time to the medieval world of Dark Tower. In this amazing game, I had to find three keys, lay siege to the tower, and defeat the enemy within. Each move was a challenge. The computer kept track, giving me secret information, pictures, sounds, surprises. Then, ahead of my opponent, I made my move. The battle was joined, and I was victorious. Dark Tower. And now, back to the show. If you are interested in watching Mazes and Monsters, it often gets posted online on YouTube, then it gets taken down, it gets posted again, but it is available for purchase and it's pretty cheap. It is an interesting snapshot of an era that we are no longer going through, although maybe people out there are still having some issues who want to play role-playing games and cannot get access to them because people are afraid. If so, I'm really sorry to hear that because it is a great hobby, and I hope that that changes for you. This film had the opposite effect on me. It fired me up even more, just like any fantasy, anything that I inhaled at the time. It just went into my role-playing. The imagination is a powerful thing, and for the most part, it can be used for good. People like to be afraid, though, and sensationalism, which we see nowadays, has always existed. And the thing that you love, odds are there's someone who's very afraid of it. So my suggestion is, if you're playing D&D and people don't understand it, but they seem curious, invite them in. At the very least, they might enjoy it, and they might become gamers themselves. At the very least, you'll teach them there's nothing to be afraid of. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. You heard a wonderful little bit of audio from Lou Zaki, who is the founder of Game Science, maker of some of the best role-playing dice, pretty much the only dice I will use. That bit of audio was acquired for me by my friend Greg, who encountered Lou at a convention and managed to get him to record something. I wanted to thank Greg for that. You can find Greg over at Retro Art Blog, where he does a lot of cool stuff. He's a great collector and a good guy. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. In fact, I've used the name of Tom Hanks' character as an NPC very often. If you encounter the priest Pardue, he will often help you. That rhymes. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.